Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Check your heart. Check your heart. When I go to the doctor, she puts a little thing around my arm and she takes my blood pressure and sometimes she sends me off to have a blood test just to see that everything is working in my body. Do you know that we need to check our hearts just like we check our bodies? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else. When the Bible says something like that, we need to think about what it, like we need to look at it and take note of it, right? Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your heart with all diligence, some versions say, or some other versions say, watch over your heart. The thing about our heart is, is that the condition of our heart can, can, start again, determines the condition of our life. And this Bible, this Bible verse says to us that we are the ones who are responsible for guarding it. We are the ones responsible for tending it, for watching over it, and for keeping it. We pray, we sing, we say all sorts of things to God in prayer. God, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I surrender to you. He says, wonderful, thank you very much. But guess what? You have to watch over your heart. You may have given it to me, but you're the one who has to tend it. It's our job. My heart is my responsibility. Your heart is your responsibility. Why? I've got three things about our heart today that we're going to talk about. The first one is our heart determines our health. Our heart determines our health. Do we have any health conscious people here today? Just a few. Okay. Watch what you eat, exercise, try to look after your body. It's a good and a wise thing to do all of those things. We need to be stewards of the body God's given us. We need to be the best. We want to be, I want to be the best me I can be. Anyone? Yeah. How about spiritually conscious people? Read, study the word, pray, worship, go to group, serve on a team. Fantastic. Big ticks. All of those things are incredibly important. And we should be doing those things. But we can exercise and eat right and get enough sleep and pray and read the word and study and get with our group and serve. But if we aren't watching over or tending to what's going on in our heart, if things happen in life that affect our heart and we just push them down and ignore them, and I'm fine our heart will become unhealthy. Like the guy who ate McDonald's for 30-something days straight. Is that that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Our heart will become like that. And our life will be affected. 
Because we need to let God into that place, not push it down, deny it, race over it, pretend it, doesn't, it didn't happen. I find that sometimes I'm not aware of it until something spills out of my mouth. Is anyone else like that? <laughs> something comes out of my mouth and I go, oh my gosh, what's going on? Where did that come from? I think something's going on in my heart. Maybe I need to check my heart. One translation of this verse tells us to guard our heart because from it flows the springs of life. And springs of life are like the borders of our life or the limitations. This verse is saying that the boundaries of the life we live is not ultimately determined by our background, by our education, by our finances, by our family, by our job, by our connections. It is directed and determined by our heart. By what we allow into our heart and by how well we tend to our heart. Our heart is the core of our being. It is the junction between our spirit and our soul. It's the core of who we are. And unfortunately, our hearts can get hard. They can get disconnected. They can become full of pain. They can shut down. King David, the Bible talks about King David, and, it, and when it talks about King David, it says this, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart, which means God has a heart. And the other thing about God that I want to remind us of today is that he looks at the heart. People look at us and they see what we're wearing, what we're doing, how we're acting, not God. Well, he sees all of that. But he looks at my heart. He doesn't look at us the way that others look at us. When God looks at us, he sees the hidden person. Straight through. Straight through the external. Straight through all the things that we try and project to other people and even to ourselves. He looks straight through that to what is really going on because that's the real stuff of life. Religion tries to control the external. It says, change the outside. Make sure you look good and all will be well. You'll fool them that way. But God knows that there's not real change. It's not about the outside. For us to change, we have to change our heart. Because if we change our heart, we will change the inside as well. And things happen in life. Things happen that affect our heart. Has anyone found that? Isaiah 61, the mission, the mission of Christ, when he stood up in Luke, in the synagogue, at the beginning of his ministry, and he said those words from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came to heal the broken heart. That is his mission. That is our mission too. He came to heal the broken hearted and he has healed my heart more times than I can tell you 
Our heart determines our health. That's the first thing our heart does. The second thing our heart does is our heart determines our elevation. Not the church. You guys don't know Elevation Church? Come on, Steve Furtick people. Our heart determines our elevation. God elevates on nothing less than our heart. Acts 13, 21 to 22. Then the people begged for a king and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man whom God, about whom God said, I have found David, a son of, David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. God gave his people what they asked for. They said, I want a king. We want a king. He said, okay, here you go. Here's Saul. But eventually Saul lost the plot and God said, it's time for a new king. So God told Samuel the prophet, he said, go to the house of Jesse. He has a son there and I want you to anoint that son because he's going to be the next king. And Samuel set off But Samuel was about to learn a very important lesson about elevation and about selection in God's kingdom. He was about to learn that when God elevates, he doesn't elevate on gifting or academia or skill set or looks. He elevates on heart. And Samuel went to Jesse's house and he asked Jesse, he said, show me your sons. And the first son came into the room, and he was the oldest, and he was a commander in the Israelite army. And when Samuel saw him, he thought, oh, he has got to be the one. Look at him. He had stature. He had muscle. He had had academia. He had skill. He looked exactly like a king ought to look. He had it all. And so Samuel got out his horn and he's, he's thinking, right, I'm going to anoint this guy. And then God said, stop. He's not the one. I don't look like man look. Men look. Man looks at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. And I've rejected him. Those were, that's, what, that's what God said. I've rejected him. And so Samuel went through all of the other six brothers. There were seven brothers in total. And they all came out and the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. And so Samuel's thinking, well, Jesse, is there another one? There's got to be someone else. And Jesse goes, well, you know, it's been embarrassing really, but there's David. But it can't be David. I mean, David's out with the sheep. And Samuel says, bring him in. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. Bring David in. And as soon as David comes through the door, the Spirit of the Lord says to Samuel, he's the one. This is the one I have chosen. This is the one I have chosen. So Samuel fills his horn and he pours it out on David's head. And David is anointed king. And he begins his journey from obscurity to kingship. And David was not who everybody who was there that day, including Samuel and all of David's family, David was not the one his family expected to be anointed as king 
David wasn't even thought highly enough to be invited to the party. He was overlooked. He was undervalued. And he was forgotten until it was God's time to elevate him. And if you study the story of David's life and you study his relationship with his brothers, if you look at it, you will see that there was animosity, there was difficulty, there was hiddenness that David had to go through where he would have felt forsaken and forgotten. And we all have those seasons in our lives. But do you know what's beautiful? Even though David was overlooked, even though David was hidden, there is a God who sees all. There is a God who was looking down from heaven. There is a God who was watching David. There is a God who saw his heart, who saw his attitude, who saw everything that no one else saw. He saw the battles that he fought and just at the right time, David moved on, God moved on David's behalf. And do you know what that tells me? And do you know what it needs to tell you today? It tells me and it tells you that you might feel overlooked. You may even have had people purposely bypass you, try to hide you from God's elevation, from God's promotion. But I want to tell you today that there is a God who sees what man tries to hide and he elevates on heart. So what's your heart? I have been through seasons in my life where I have been deliberately left out, where I have had things that I have done, the credit has gone to other people, where I have been falsely accused by people, where I have definitely been overlooked. But do you know what? God is in control of all of that stuff, all of it. And before God elevates, he tests our heart. And he will take us through seasons of injustice. And he won't take away the injustice. And he could in a moment take away the injustice and he doesn't because he's dealing with something that to him is far more precious, something far more valuable. He is looking at hearts and he is measuring hearts. 2 Chronicles 16 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Whose heart is completely his. He wants to strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And in those tough seasons, do you know what God is doing? He's measuring hearts. He measured David's heart in the tough seasons. When he was out where no one saw what was happening. When he was out in the bush, out in the wilderness. And he measures our heart. And we need to trust during those seasons that he knows the end from the beginning. And whatever we're going through, he sees it. He sees it and he's setting us up. He's setting you up. In those times, whatever you're going through, when it's over, he will give you more than what was taken away. He's just measuring your heart. 
And he's looking down from heaven and, and he's saying, look at, look, look at them. Look at him. Look at his heart. He's staying loyal in the place of injustice. She's not moving until I tell her to move. God is the one who elevates according to our heart. Our heart determines our health. Our heart determines our elevation. And the last thing our heart does is our heart determines what we see. Our heart determines the spiritual vision we walk in. Matthew 5, 8 says this, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Our hearts are like a garden. And just like any other garden, weeds grow. Has anyone noticed that? I was looking out my window yesterday and I thought, oh, look at all those weeds. Don't look at all those weeds. Have you noticed you don't have to plant a weed for it to grow? You don't have to water it even. You don't have to put fertilizer on it. It just happens. It just grows. Matthew 7, don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Amen. To all the chocolate eaters. Food doesn't go into your heart. It only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. Who's happy about that? And then he added, it is what comes from the inside that defiles you. From within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Wow, that's a great list. It's not a great list at all. But this scripture is saying that there is, it's not what we put in, it's, it's what's in our heart. There is a battle inside of us, the battle to keep our heart pure, to weed out the weeds in our heart because people will hurt you. People will wound us. People will betray us. It is impossible that no offences will come. We've talked about this for the last three weeks. In church, people will hurt you. At work, people will hurt you. In your marriage, your spouse will hurt you. Your family members will hurt you. And when this happens, weeds can grow. And so we need to be good gardeners of our heart and not sweep issues under the rug, but confront with love and kindness and seek resolution. And don't let our hearts become overgrown with weeds. Weed out our heart. Weed our heart. Apologize. This is an amazing story about Leonardo da Vinci. He painted the Last Supper. Yep. It was commissioned by the Duke of Milan at the time. And it took four years to complete. One reason was because of a relationship he had happening in his world at the time. Da Vinci grew up with a rival, another artist in his world. And they weren't friends. They would often fight with each other. 
They would criticize each other's work. They didn't like each other. And when, when Da Vinci was commissioned to do the Last Supper, he knew that everyone was going to see the painting, so he decided it would be a stroke of genius or maybe just payback to put his rival's face as the face of Judas. Six months later, he still hadn't finished the painting because he couldn't paint the face of Jesus. He just couldn't see it. He couldn't picture it. He couldn't paint it. And one night he was trying to paint Jesus' face and he cried out to God and he said, God, why can't I see the face of Jesus? And he heard this answer, because of what you've done with the face of Judas. And it was like this moment in his world. And he realized what he'd done wrong. And he took his brush and he removed his rival's face. And the next day he went to him and he apologized and he asked him to forgive him. He said, I've been holding bitterness. I've been holding resentment in my heart towards you and I, please forgive me. And they prayed together and they became friends and the next night he went to paint. And as soon as he looked at the painting, he instantly saw the face of Jesus. And he painted it in. Because his heart had bitterness, he couldn't see the face of Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. The powerful thing about Christianity is that Christ himself comes and lives in our heart. And he comes to change us from the inside out. And he wants to help us pull out the weeds that may have grown in our heart. He wants to help us identify and see the weeds. This is so important because I cannot afford to not see God. I cannot afford to not have his vision for my marriage, for my family, for my life, for this church, for all of the new ventures and the new things that we are gonna be beginning next year. I need to see God. can only happen as my heart is pure. I was reading Isaiah, you can come up guys, I was reading um, Isaiah 43 during the week and I've read this scripture, I don't know how many times, hundreds, it would be hundreds, maybe more over the years. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19, he God talks about doing a new thing. He talks about all the things that he has done for his children. I did this and I did that and I brought you out of this and I've done that. And then he says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. And then he says this. He says, see, see, see. And it's like God said to me, he, 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 the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this point in this message. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Sometimes, we, he said, see. Sometimes we can't see because of what's happening in our heart. To see the new thing. Some of you are really just lost and caught in the old thing. 
in the thing that didn't work, in the thing that didn't happen the way you wanted it to, in the, in the, in the heartbrokenness. I talked about a broken heart. Some of you are lost in that. Until you sort out your heart, you can't see what he's already, be- he's already begun. It's what it says. It says, see, I have already begun. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? God wants to show you what he's already begun. Because it might have been good before, but it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. That's what he says. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. If you trust me, if you keep your heart pure, if you stay in, in that season of hardness, of injustice, of God, what are you doing? Why? He says, I will make a pathway through that wilderness and I will create rivers in that dry wasteland. That's what he does. That's who he is. That's who he is. But he says, I want you to tend your heart. I want you to guard your heart. I want you to weed weed your heart. Keep it clean. Keep it pure. Keep it soft. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.